hear and do. I believe God has designed our relationship with him to be simple. And he simply wants us to just be in a place to where whatever he speaks, we can respond. He speaks, we respond. I believe this word is going to change your life and change the course of how you work with God and how your relationship is developing. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm excited about the day. I'm excited about what God is doing in our church. I'm excited about the, uh, the, the, the messages that we've received so far this year. Anybody else excited about the messages we've received this far? This is the year of stability. Hallelujah. And we know that that is not just a catchy slogan for the year, but that is a prophetic declaration of what God is wanting to do for us, wanting to stabilize us, wanting to make us firm, wanting to make us sure, wanting to give us resolve so that we're not moved by the things in this world so that we can stay. We got deep roots, amen. Even though the wind may be blowing in your life and the waves may be tossing and the boat might be filling up with water. But I'm going to take the example of Jesus and I'm going to go to sleep right here. Amen, right here. I will not be moved. That's what God is doing in our lives and, and, and that's pretty powerful. And in that, we are, all, we are also understanding that the things that he has done and the things that he's doing in our lives are not just for us. But in this season, we will be stability for other people. I don't believe that Jesus fell asleep on that pillow just for him. I believe Jesus fell asleep on that pillow to let the people around him know that everything is going to be all right. And there's going to be some times in this year where you're going to be that example, where you not being anxious and you not being fretful and you not being worried and you being confident is going to be an example to the people around you. They're going to be able to look at you and say, well, shoot, if he's sitting down, I'm going to go ahead and sit down too. If they ain't worried, I'm not going to worry either. I'm telling you, you'll increase your value just by choosing to have some peace in the midst of some trouble. You better hear what I just said. There will be people around you that know that they need you because you have a peaceful disposition when the world is topsy-turvy. Oh, goodness. So we're finding out that we are heroes. Amen. We are heroes. We are heroes. And I want to I talk to you about that um, for a little while tonight. And um, I'm going to let you know right now, I know um, the moment has probably passed and there's probably aren't many people in here who could, I mean, most of y'all could care less who the Super Bowl champions are. Right? <laughs> y'all don't care. Most of y'all, y'all couldn't care, you could care less who the MVPs are, <laughs> except for one person. We got one person in the room. And I know the moment, the moment has passed, and we're more concerned. I mean, I got more people in here who know who their real champion is. Amen. Jesus is my champion. Jesus is my hero. I don't care about the Super Bowl MVP. Jesus is my MVP. Well, I'm in the right place. Amen. So let me, now, now so... So as I was preparing for tonight, though, it was during, you know, this, this leading up to the Super Bowl. So I'm just going to let you know. I'm just saying this to let you know. I don't want you to be distracted. I don't want you to be in your emotions as you think about who won and who lost and your team not being there. I don't want you to be distracted. So I'm just getting all this out right now. Because, you know, I might 
be using a lot of, you know, football analogies and things like that. And I don't want you to get, I want you to stay with me, though. Okay? <laughs> Y'all ready? Tonight we're going to talk from the title, Victory Lap. Hashtag share your shine. And the purpose of this message is to encourage you, the believer, to see yourself as the hero. Jesus came to empower us to empower others. Jesus came to empower us to empower others. And we're going to read from John chapter 17. We're not just going to read from John chapter 17. We're going to read all of John chapter 17. So I hope you brought your Bibles. Amen. Your, your, your flip page Bible, your click click Bible, your touch screen Bible. Some of y'all got Bibles that glow in the dark. Whatever worked for you, you're going to need your Bible. You got it? All right. Starting at verse number one, this is what it says. I'm reading from the Easy Reader Version. From the Easy Reader Version of John chapter 17, this is what it says. It says, after Jesus said these things, after Jesus said these things, and, and you know, if you're like me, that you're going to be curious about, well, what did Jesus just finish saying? Well, we see at the end of chapter 16, Jesus makes the declaration that I have overcome the world. He's encouraging his disciples. He tells them, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, right? So after saying these things, after saying these things, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Give glory to your son so that the son can give glory to you. You gave the son power over all people so that he could give eternal life to all those. Did you get that? He says, you gave the son power over all people so that he could give eternal life to all those you have given to him. The purpose of the power was to give. The purpose of the power was to give eternal life. Did you catch that? And verse 3 says, and this is eternal life, that people can know you, the only true God, and that they can know Jesus Christ, the one you sent. I finished the work you gave me to do. Notice how he says he finished the work. Notice how he said he's finished the the work and I and I you know this really speaks to the points that will be made. Here he is, um, the evening before he was arrested, and I'm considering for the sake of this conversation, I'm considering the day, the time that he spent on the cross, the the moment that he died on the cross on Calvary. That was game day. So here he is, before game day, and he says, "I finished the work you gave me." I brought you glory on earth. So notice that the work was to bring God glory. And now, Father, give me glory with you. Give me the glory I had with you before the world was made. That's verse 5. And notice as we read verse 6 how the subject changes. His prayer moves from him to his disciples. He says, you gave me some people from the world. See, I, I got to tell you that that's... That's what I mean by share your shine, because here he is. This is his moment. This is the moment before the most important thing that has happened in his life so far. Many people say that this is the moment before the thing that he came to the world. His, his whole purpose, his whole mission was to get on that cross. 
And here he is in his moment where he has the spotlight, and instead of keeping the light on himself, he used this moment to shine light on somebody else, right? Share your shine. He says, he says, You've gave me some people from the world. I have shown them what you are like. They belong to you, and you gave them to me. They have obeyed your teaching. Now they know that everything I have come, everything I have came from you. I told them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They realized the fact that I came from you and believed that you sent me. I pray for them now. I'm not praying for the people in the world, but I'm praying for these people you gave me because they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and my glory is seen in them. See, I love it when a champion in their time of honor, when the spotlight is on them, uses their shine to shine light on others. And in verse 11, he says, now I'm coming to you. I will not stay in the world, but these followers of mine are still in the world. Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me. Then they will be one just as you and I are one. While I was with them, I kept them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me. I protected them, and only one of them was lost, the one who was sure to be lost. This was to show the truth of what the scriptures should say would happen. I like how he said that right there. I would like to count how many times Jesus did something or said something to show the truth of what the scriptures said would happen. I wonder how many times and how many things did Jesus do just so that the scriptures could be fulfilled. I think one of the things that made Jesus so confident and, he, and, and put him in a position where he can declare some things, we'll see how he declared things from the beginning. He declared the end from the beginning. But he was confident in declaring the end from the beginning because he knew how well he had aligned himself up with what God had already said. See, you can be confident in saying some things when you know that you've already aligned yourself up with what the Father has already said. You could be confident about doing some things when you know that what you're doing is already in line with what the Father has already said. And I would like to count. There's some people that say that in his lifetime, Jesus fulfilled from three to 400 prophecies. Now, that's a life lined up with the word. And I believe that the reason he said the things that he said was to give us an example of what we should be doing. You want to be confident in your life? You want to be confident in your actions? You want to be confident in your speech? Make sure that your life, your actions, and your speech line up with what God had already said. That's where the power is. He says in verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I pray these things while I am still in the world. I say all this so that these followers can have the true happiness that I have. I want them to be completely happy. And in verse 14, he says, I have given them your teaching and the world has hated them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. Verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking that you keep them safe from the evil one. So stop trying to leave. Stop trying to avoid the problems that you were kept here to solve. He says, I don't want them to leave the world. I don't want you to take them out of the world. Just protect them while they're here because their purpose is for this place. Their, your purpose is for that problem that you're trying to avoid and trying to run from. That person that you're trying to avoid, that person that you see, and you know they're going to talk to you about their problems, and you've been trying to avoid them because you don't want to hear about their problems, but they, 
Out of all the people that they could go and talk to about their problems, they bring their problems to you. Just maybe because you are anointed to solve that problem. They don't belong to the world just as I don't belong to the world. Make them ready for your service through your truth. Your teaching is truth. I have sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. I'm making myself completely ready to serve you. I do this for them so that they also might be fully equipped or qualified for your service. I pray not only for these followers, but also for those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Note whose teaching causes others to believe. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm praying also for the ones that will come, not because of what I say, but because of what they say. And I believe that's an example to us. And how many people are going to come to believe because of what you say? How many people are going to come to believe because of what you teach? Father, I pray that all who believe in me can be one. You're in me and I am in you. I pray that they can also be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. I gave them this glory so that they can be one just as you and I are one. I will be in them. You will be in me. So they will be completely one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love them just as you loved me. Father, I want these people you have given me to be with me in every place I am. I want them to see my glory, the glory you gave me because you loved me before the world was made. Father, you are the only one who always does what is right. The world does not know you, but I know you, and these followers of mine know that you sent me. I showed them what you are like, and I will show them again. They, then they will have the same love that you have for me, and I will live in them a man. I think I just helped some of y'all. Y'all got a chapter in this year. Just help somebody. I just help somebody. Jesus is our hero. But Jesus is a hero who makes heroes. Jesus wasn't interested in being a hero by himself. Jesus wanted a group of heroes. Jesus came to empower us so that we can empower others. And that's what we're teaching from the message title, Victory Lap. Share your Shine. Today you might get a BOGO. Anybody like shopping at Publix? You might get two for one. <laughs> Amen. Listen, the week before Jesus' death on the cross is referred to by historians and theologians as Holy Week. But I want to I would look at it as his victory lap. Most of the time, the winner takes a victory lap after they've secured. The victory, the victory lap comes after the game, but Jesus is not most people, and Jesus is not ordinary, and Jesus is a man of faith. So Jesus didn't wait until after the cross to have his victory lap. Jesus decided to have his victory lap a week before, and I think that's a good example for us because real faith doesn't wait until the outcome. Real faith speaks up before the show even happens. Amen. 
But in this week, many, many important things happened. You know, a week before Calvary, um, Jesus had what I refer to as his champions parade. We know New England just did their parade on Tuesday. Yesterday, two days after the Super Bowl, right? But Jesus did his champions parade a week before the game. We refer to it as the triumphal entry. In John chapter 12, you see Jesus sending two of his disciples into the city looking for a donkey and a colt. He gets the donkey, he gets the colt, the people line up on the sides of the road. They throw down palm branches in the middle of the road. Jesus gets on the donkey and the colt. The people yell, Hosanna, Hosanna. And his disciples probably threw beads at the crowd because it looked very much like a parade. Right? That was Jesus declaring his kingship. Jesus declaring that he was the victor. He was the winner before the fight even happened. But that's the type of swagger that Jesus had. And I believe that we're supposed to have that same type of swagger too because faith doesn't wait to see what's going to happen. Faith doesn't wait to see what it's going to be. Faith declares it from the beginning. From the beginning, Heroes walk in faith and faith doesn't wait until the outcome to start talking. Faith talks. Faith talks. People follow the ones whose words paint a picture of a preferred future. Tell your neighbor to speak up. It's time for you to say something. It's not time for you to re remain quiet any longer. It's not time for you to sit back in the shadows. It's time for you to say something. They invited you to the board meeting for a reason. It's time for you to say something. It's time for you to speak up. The reason that you have the ears of those that you have is because there's a word inside of you, and it's time for you to speak up. This is the year that you're going to speak up. The day is gone where you sit back and just watch as the ship sinks. This year, you got something to say. Faith talks. Tell your neighbor to speak up. In, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, Romans chapter 4, verse 17, from the Amplified, it says this. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I'm not going to wait for you. You should have your click-click Bible. Hopefully you're taking notes and you're writing stuff down. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says this. It says, y'all should stretch your hands towards them screens. Get, them, get their scripture up there in the name of Jesus. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He's talking about Abraham. He was appointed our father, talking about Abraham, in the sight of God in whom he believed. Abraham believed in God. Amen. He believed in the God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Abraham believed in the God that speaks in things that don't exist as if it exists already. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11, it says, Earnestly remember the former things which I did. This is God talking. He says, remember the things that I did. Remember the things of old, for I am God and there is no one else. I am God and there is none like me. This is what makes me different from everybody else. This is what separates me from the crowd. 
This is an attribute of God that no one else can claim. He says, declaring the end and the result from the beginning. Nobody can do that. He says, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. Or the thing that I told you I was going to do, that's what's going to happen. And I will do all my pleasure and my purpose. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man Cyrus, who executes my counsel from a far country. And then he says, yes, I have even spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will do it. And this is why the believer can have confidence. This is why Jesus aligned his life with what had already been spoken by the Father, because he knew those are the things that are going to happen. And this is what we should be doing. We should be aligning our lives according to what God has already said, because God is going to do what he said he's going to do. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. God ain't concerned about what it looks like. God isn't concerned about what the naysayers or the doubters or the haters say. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Even if he has to make a river in a desert, God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So as long as I line my life up, as long as I'm out there with my water bucket, I don't care how dry the ground is, I'm going to have my water bucket because I'm lining my life up with what God said. And if God said he's going to make a river in this desert, I'm getting ready for the water. Amen. And that's how you should be living your life. You live your life in accordance to what he said. So if he said that this is your year of stability, then you then you line your life up with that. If he said that he plans to prosper you, then you line your life up with that. If he said that you're supposed to have health and healing, then you line your life up with that. Not with what the distractors and other people say, not with popular opinion or even the media. Let them say what they want to say. God wants to do the reverse. God wants to go contrary to what they think is going to happen. God is always going against popular opinion because that's, that's how he comes out as God. You thought it was going to be this way, but I'm going to flip it and make it that way. And then God be standing and all the people of God be standing saying, we told you and you should have listened. Just like Noah. Noah, after the, after the boat was built, they laughed and scorned him. But after the boat was built and the water came and the water rose, Noah was like, I told you. And you should have listened, because all I did was line my life up with what he already said. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 13 says it like this. It says, yet we have the same spirit of faith. We got the same spirit of faith as he who wrote this. Talking about you and me. We have the same spirit of faith as David, who wrote these words. He says, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak faith speaks. Faith has something to say. Oh, shoot. I'm getting excited. I don't know about you. (laughs) Glory to God. Faith has something to say. Faith has something to say. Sometimes you just got to say it. Sometimes you just got to take your list, take your want to list, take your wish list, and just read it to somebody. You just got to tell somebody. Just put it out in the atmosphere. I'm speaking it as ridiculous as it might sound. I'm, I, I know one of the steps of my manifestation is that I say it. So I'm just going to say it. And I ain't worried about how you look at me. I'm just going to say it anyway. I'm just going to say it. I just got to get it in my mouth and out my mouth. And this year, you being the hero means that there's some things that's going to come from your mouth into the ears of somebody else so that when it happens, 
not only will you be encouraged, but they need to be encouraged. You need to have somebody come and say to you, you said it and it happened. You need to have more and more people coming and saying to you, look what you said. No, 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 no. Look right there at what you said. No, you're not feeling me. No, I see what you said right there. I remember when you said it, and now I see what you said. Somebody needs to come to you this year and say that to you. You need to, you need to hear that in your ears this year. You need to have some people come and say, listen, I see what you said. No, I see what you, no, I really, I, beyond my understanding, matter of fact, I don't even understand it. I still don't understand what you said, but I see what you said. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. Why did Jesus take a victory lap before the battle? Why do you praise before the manifestation? Heroes praise before the manifestation so that those around can be encouraged. Not only does faith talk, but faith also Walks. This is a part of your faith walk. I'm going to act like it's done already. I'm going to talk like it's done already. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's done already. Amen. Look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 19. I'm going to read this from the Easy Reader version. Jesus said this many times in his ministry. He tells his disciples, he says, I'm telling you this now Before it happens, then when it happens, you will believe that I am. And maybe that's the thing that's been missing in your testimony. Maybe that's the thing that's been missing in all of our testimony. Maybe that's the reason that that person that we've been witnessing to all these years still don't believe because they haven't seen what we said yet. But the moment they see what you've been saying, then they'll be convinced that who you represent is true. Glory. John 14, verse 29 says this. John 14, verse 29, he says, I have told you this now before it happens. Then when it happens, you will believe. See, in John 13, verse 19, he says, when it happens, when it happens, you will believe that I am. In John 14, verse 29, he says that when it happens, you will believe. You will believe. Listen, there are some things that I say because I want to believe. I know I've seen you come through before. You know, this is a conversation. I just go ahead and put it out there with God. I mean, ain't no reason to hide in it. Ain't no reason to not saying it. He know what I'm thinking anyway. I might as well just go ahead and have a conversation with him. Listen, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm pushing this one out there. I'm pushing this one. I'm saying this one, God, because I want to see you come through on this. I want to see you come through on this. Because I know that every time that we have an experience, every time we see manifestation, every time I see my prayers answered, then it firms up my conviction. And I know that that's what he wants to do this year. This year he wants your conviction firmed up. And there's nothing, nothing firms up conviction more than experience. I believe he's a healer because I was sick and he healed me. 
I believe he's a provider because I was in lack and he provided. I believe he's a deliverer because I was oppressed and he delivered. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. And a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. So what I'm telling you is that, you know, this year you need to just say something just to put it out there in the atmosphere. That God, I'm believing you for this. I know it seems impossible and I don't know how it's going to come, but I'm believing you for this. And I know I just started working at this job three weeks ago, but I need a promotion. I came here because you told me to come here. You know my bills and you know what they paying me. You know I need promotion. So I'm saying it just so I can see. I need to see. I need to see. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need to see something. I just need to see. Glory to God. John 17, verse 13. John 17, verse 13, he says this. He says, and now I am coming to you. This is Jesus talking. He says, I say these things while I'm still in the world so that my joy may be full and complete and perfect in them, that they may experience my delight fulfilled in them, that they that my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls, that they may have my gladness within them, filling their hearts. I know we've watched many movies and we've seen many pictures of Jesus at this time, and most of the movies and most of the pictures that, that we've seen show him as, you know, this is a sad and gray and gloomy time as he prepares to go to the cross. But if we look at his words, his words don't match the images that we've been given. I mean, right now he's talking about being filled with joy and having gladness. And he says that I want these, uh, these guys that are walking with me, these guys that are sad, they're sad right now. They're sad because I told them that I'm going to have to leave. And they're sad because of that. But I have joy because I know what's about to, to happen. And I want them to have the same joy that I have. Oh, my goodness. See, I'm speaking the victory in the face of expected defeat. I'm speaking victory in the face of expected defeat so that when victory is manifested, they may experience the joy that I have right now. The disciples didn't get it. They didn't understand it. On the day that Jesus died, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They were sad. They were afraid. They were scared. They ran off, each of them, to their own homes. They hid. Because in their minds, their thinking was that if, if, if the one that I believed in, if the one that I thought was the Messiah, if they could kill him, then they could kill me too. So I don't want to be seen in public right now. But just a few days afterwards, when they got word that their Messiah had risen from the grave, then the joy that Jesus had on this day, before the death, before the burial, before the resurrection, the day they heard that Jesus raised from the grave was the day that they shared his joy. When they saw what he said manifested, then they experienced the same joy that he did in faith prior to the battle even happening. Days before, they were afraid, they were sad, they were scared. But when he raised from the dead and they saw his 
body, when they saw him raised from the dead, when they saw him after the resurrection, they were filled with the same joy that he had before the resurrection even happened, before the cross of Calvary even came. And that's why it's important for us to praise before manifestation. It's important for us to praise before the manifestation because there's people watching you. And they might not understand it right now. But when manifestation comes, the same joy that you express before the manifestation, they can share in that same joy afterwards. Amen. This is how you share your shine. Jesus is the hero who makes other heroes. What was the purpose of the things Jesus said and did before the cross? What was the purpose of the life that he lived um, the weeks, the week, the days before game day, before the cross of Calvary? I look at John 17 like a champion's speech. You know, after a big game, you know, the champion gets up there to the podium. And I watched the, I watched the game on Sunday. Stay with me. I watched the game on Sunday, and, um, and y'all know how, you know, yeah, boring it was. But <laughs> as hard as it was, I, I, I kept awake. To the end, because I like to hear what the champions say after the game, because there's some very important things that are said during that time. See, during the champion's speech, you hear the motivation for the win. During the champion's speech, you hear the purpose for playing. During the champion's speech, you see the important role players all gather at the podium. So I look at John 17 as Jesus' champion speech. And I know that it came before his game, but it was very important to listen to what he said during that speech. See, during the champion speech, he pointed out his whole purpose for coming in the first place. It was to give the Father glory. And in the champion speech, he made it a point to bring the significant players to the podium. It wasn't just him up there by himself, but he brought his disciples, and even beyond that, he brought every other believer after them to that podium to share his shine. And during the championship, during the champion speech, we find out the purpose for playing anyway. We find out that his purpose was playing was not just so that he have power, but that so that other people will be empowered, because he's the hero who makes other heroes. Not like other heroes, not like superheroes, not like, you know, fantasy, Marvel heroes, or maybe you're a GC person. I don't know. DC, there we go. But Jesus ain't like none of them because Superman never shared his laser beam eyes with nobody. As good as Superman was, he never made you as fast as a locomotive. You understand what I'm saying? They always left people waiting for them to come and save the day. Jesus ain't like those heroes. Matter of fact, Jesus is probably the only hero who said, I got enough to share. 
I'm willing to give you what I got. There's a scripture that says that, you know, you can go ahead and draw from me. He says, everything that the Father has, he's given to me, and now I'm making those things available to you. Go ahead and draw from me, because Jesus is a hero that makes other heroes. Glory to God. In John 17, verse 8, it says this. It says, I told them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They realized the fact that I came from you and believed that you sent me. He says, I told them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. And they realized the fact that I came from you and believed that you sent me. Say qualification. In verse 8, we get our qualification. Look at verse 11. It says, now I'm coming to you. I will not stay in the world, but these followers of mine are still in the world. Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me. Then they will be one just as you and I are one. Say unification. See right there, this, is pronoun- this pronounces our unification. And look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, make them ready for your service through your truth. Your teaching is truth. Say activation. And right here we are activated. So we've been qualified, unified, and activated to empower others because Jesus wasn't interested in being a hero all by himself. Faith empowers. Faith empowers. But what he did is, is what he did is an example for us to do the same. I believe this was his motivation in the first place, empowering us. He didn't come for his own gain. He didn't come just so that he could be the superhero, but he came to make superheroes. He came to empower us. Amen. Let's conclude with this thought. So several years ago, I was dealing with, with, with something that I thought was pretty serious. I thought it was pretty bad. You know, anything that got to do with courtrooms and the law, that's pretty bad. I don't care what it is, right? <laughs> I thought this was a pretty serious thing. So, you know, I did what I know to do. I prayed about it. I prayed about it. <laughs> I prayed about it. I did pray. <laughs> and this is the response that I got. This is the response that I got. Jesus said to me, where am I? He said, you're in heaven, at the right, seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, that's right. And I've been here since I got here. And then he brought to my mind the, the, um, the narrative of Stephen, the deacon. Stephen, not that Stephen. Where is he at? <laughs> but in the Bible, Stephen. He brought to my mind the story of uh, the narrative of, of Deacon Stephen. You remember Deacon Stephen got stoned. Not that Stephen. Stephen got stoned, and in, 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 that, in the account, we read that as Stephen is being stoned, the scripture says that he looked up and he saw the Son of Man standing. Jesus reminded me that I was still there in the same place I was, but I stood up as I saw my servant being stoned. So where am I now? In light of your problem, where am I? I say, you're in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, that's right. The last time you was in serious trouble, I came down there and I did something about it. 
The last time you were in serious trouble, I got dressed, came to earth, and I did something about it. Oh, goodness. I didn't respond the way that you just responded. I was like, so what you saying, Jesus? He said, what you dealing with right now, you can handle it. Glory. You can handle it. And he reminded me of Paul. And he basically told Paul the same thing. Paul had a thorn in his side. He went to God three times and prayed about it. God said, my grace is sufficient for that. My grace is sufficient enough to make you man enough to bear up under it. (laughs) Oh, glory. So today I believe that Jesus is saying to us, why are you asking me to do things for you that you can do for yourself? Or just to make it sound a little more theologically correct, why are you asking me to do things for you that I've empowered you to do for yourself? And just to push it home a little further, he's saying to us, why are all these people wandering around, hopeless, helpless, and destitute, waiting and wandering, looking for things, looking for answers, when I've empowered you to do something for them. And I remember that that's the message that he was trying to give his disciples when he fed the 5,000. He had been in church meeting with them all day. And the disciples came to him and said, ain't it about time that we send these people home for, to fend for themselves? And Jesus responded, nah, they've been with us all day. We're going to feed them. Give me what you got. Isn't it interesting how often we want to wait until we think we have enough? But Jesus just took what they had. He took them two fish, five loaves, blessed them, and he fed a multitude. And then I was reminded of James chapter 2, verse 15. James chapter 2, verse 15, James tells us that he tells us that our faith isn't complete by just praying for people. He says, if your brother comes to you needing clothes, If your brother comes to you and he's hungry and you just pray, then you haven't fulfilled your assignment. But you need to put some action with that prayer and make sure that you meet that need because I've empowered you to do so. We've been qualified, unified, and activated to be heroes. Amen. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We are qualified. Glory to God. Give God some praise. Amen. Glory to God. I want you to shout this with me. Say, I receive my qualifications. I receive my unification. I receive my activation. I am a hero empowered to empower others. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Thank you for tuning in. Always remember, you can connect with us via our app, you can connect with us online, or you can join us here for one of our services on Sundays or Wednesdays. But we just thank you that we had the opportunity to impart a word into your life.